Welcome <laughs> to the inaugural episode. Inaugural? Inaugural. Inaugural, inaugural episode. An- inaugural. Inaugural episode <laughs> <laughs> of the Zero Chance podcast. Uh, there is zero chance you are ever going to listen to this podcast zero again. Zero chance. Uh, my name is Brady Phelps, and I am joined by Rick Romero. Hey, guys. How's it going? And we are your host for the Zero Chance podcast. What am I, the guest? I'm the guest then. Uh, you may recognize that voice. The I'm most the distinguishable then. voice in all of San Diego. The Cy Young Award-winning legend, Randy Jones. Guys, how uh, are you? What's up? Man, we cannot tell you how happy we are to have you as our inaugural inaugural, inaugural, inaugural. guest. <laughs> yes. On, say the first guest. Why don't you say first guest? Yeah. Why do you use those dollar words when it doesn't suit you? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so it begins. <laughs> our first ever guest. You are the first ever guest. And, and we, you know, our strategy was we start high, the very top, and then every guest from here on out would just be not as good as you. Yeah. So we've yeah. peaked. Um, we peaked already. We, we've peaked with episode, episode one. one. If our first episode, one might call it, of the Zero Chance podcast. Zero Chance, anyone's going to yeah. find out why we named it that while we're here. That's awesome. I yeah. like it. Yeah, so yeah. welcome, my friend. Thank, Thank you, you so Thank much you. for... We are uh, to set the scene a little bit. We're here at your home. Yes. Um, which is an amazing, uh, amazing place, and we're very thankful that you opened up your doors to well, us. Oh, it's very nice. If you think I was at 4 o'clock, I was going to go down to Sorrento Valley. You guys are nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are driving up here. Yeah. Hey, I'm yeah, a veteran we, now, guys. You can't yeah. trick a left hand. Yeah, right exactly. I, I took a screenshot of your text, and I said, see, this is why I love RJ. <laughs> right there. Like That that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody uh, wants to go to Sorrento yeah. Valley at 4 o'clock. Yeah, that's right. I, I am the star of this podcast and i am not driving anywhere so that's why you guys are going to come to me <laughs> that's, great. that's right yeah that's good but it's great this is a great scene we've got your dogs uh rj and jimmy who are uh yep. bird dogs yeah they're running, running around, around here, around here. we betcha. can see uh within eye shot four or five of the birds they probably uh yeah. got hey, for you Ooh, i see the cy young award I too see a cy young award from here. that's true we do yeah. have the cy young within sight i'll try not yeah. to be mesmerized by it while <laughs> yeah. it's nice it's got a very very wonderful place right by the fireplace yep, yep so this yep. is really cool man so we're excited to have you on our podcast um and appreciate that the uh the cool thing about uh the first ever podcast is that they're guaranteed to suck like no one has ever done a very first podcast and it's been good. Really? So I don't know how you feel about that. I don't I don't get emotional. You guys know that. Yeah, we've yeah. brought you into a uh, yeah. an element of suck. I just saw a undeniable. couple of buddies who were doing something different. You guys asked me and hey, I look forward to talking with you. No problem. So that's nice that you call yes. us a couple of buddies. I, I keep telling Rick that we are friends and yeah. he doesn't believe me. Well, come on. He man. thinks he thinks because you went to his wedding <laughs> that you guys are closer than you and I are and I tried to tell him that, you know, we had many Bonding I, moments. I think on. it kind of goes right down the table pretty even, man. You think so? Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm not giving either one of you the nod. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's just right down the middle right now. All right. You I'll know. take that. I'll take that. Yeah. I will, too. Good. I mean, Good. I'm glad both of you take that. Uh, yeah. Well, it's an honor. It's an honor <laughs> yeah. and a blessing, let me tell you. So we thought that it'd be kind of cool. I mean, everybody knows you're a San Diego legend, um, but we thought it'd be pretty cool to get to know, um, you know, maybe a side of you that not everybody knows. Get to know, um, there's those, you know, these young kids. They start these podcasts. They listen to these podcasts, and they maybe don't know the legend of Randy Jones. So we wanted to maybe 
you know, paint a little bit of a picture of your career, how it ended up that you came to be the San Diego legend that you are, how it ended up that you came to have your number retired at Petco Park uh, for everyone to stand by and take pictures of. Maybe we can even talk about the move from the outfield of the number to where they are now. And, <laughs> and uh, But, you know, kind of learn a little bit about you and where you're at and how you got to be. So what year did you start with the San Diego Padres? Give us a little history lesson. Well, you know, I, I graduated college in 72, got my degree, and I, I signed with the Padres in 72, um, you know, after the year I got my diploma. And, and so I guess you'd call it maybe like by June I was you know, in Tri-Cities, Washington, our single-A, bunch of rookies, young kids, and I'm a 22-year-old. Um, so I pitched the first five innings of our, our opening night up there, and the next day I had a plane ticket to Louisiana to join the double-A team. Wait, what? You wow. pitched five innings? No, I made one start there, pitched the first five innings, just shut up. Baseball gave up <laughs> one hit, and I was, next thing I knew, I was flying to Louisiana. Oh, my gosh. You're like, you're like, wow, this is way easier than I thought <laughs> no, it would I be. Mean, you got a bunch of, you know, they wouldn't really kind of fair 17, 18-year-olds, and, you know, I'm 22, pushing 23, and, you know, and it, it definitely showed. It, was, it wasn't it was too much of rocket science getting those kids out. Well, you had a diploma, you know, that you were much smarter than them. Oh, yeah, just, well, yeah. You I, outthought them. I, the I even knew less was better than guys. I, you know, <laughs> those guys couldn't wait. But, um, you know, overall, then I, I joined the double-A team uh, in Alexandria, Louisiana, uh, Duke Snyder was my manager there. Wow. And so that's where I got to know Duke real well, him being my manager the, the rest of that summer. That is so crazy. Yeah. I didn't ever realize yeah. that. See, this John, is what John, I love. You, I'm learning stuff that even I don't John, know, and I feel Johnny like I know Padres, a lot about you. Johnny Padres at the time was our roving minor league pitching coach. Yeah. You know. Which is so, obviously, it's, he spells it differently. No idea Padres on the Padres. About anyway. Pods, so, Pods had no idea. What really? Because he, he, he was uh, I mean, he was on the Dodgers most of his career. Yes. And then he came out to coach with, or he played with the Padres yeah, a little he, bit. When he coached, he wanted everybody to throw the baseball like he did, and that's, you know, and that didn't quite work for me. And so I did it when I was in front of him, and as soon as I got away from him, I went right back to what I, I knew how to get people. <laughs> oh, out. I'm sure that yeah, didn't mess yeah. with your mechanics at all. Like, yeah. oh yeah, just appeasing. Going back and forth. <laughs> I would, I, yeah, but I would do whatever. I just to please him. He liked that, you know. I was throwing like twelve to six curveballs and four seam fastballs, and he really liked that. And as soon as I left there and got to Louisiana, I went straight back to that two-seam fastball, sinker, slider, you know, that I knew how to do. So, wait, was Snyder and Padres on the same um, coaching staff? Well, Padres is the roving pitching instructor for all the minor Oh, so he would go all to every one of the teams. And Duke was our manager for our double-A team. Okay, so what did Duke think about you changing up your style for Padres and then going right back to doing what you Well, Duke never never really got to see Johnny, the Padres style, because – you know, when I left, Pods was in, in Tri-Cities, and I left him there. So when I got there, I made my first two or three starts, my old standard yeah. win, and pitched really, really well for Duke. And so uh, Johnny Padres, about a month later, he snuck in. I didn't know he came into town. And I was pitching that night, and I beat Shreveport 4-1. to one, uh, Went seven innings, I think it was. and Because and, um, it was just so freaking hot down there, man. It was hot and humid and sweating to death every, every start. Um, so anyway, after the game, you know, Pods came in and was all good. Man, I'm really disappointed. You're not throwing the ball nearly as well as you were in Tri City. Yeah. <laughs> and Duke leaned out from his, his little coach's room and says, "He goes, hey, look, Pods, he goes, leave him alone. Throwing the ball well. Shut up and leave him alone." Okay. And that was just about it. Pods looked at him, went, "Okay, you know." And that was about it. Because they were teammates together. Yeah, and it was funny. It was really cool. Oh my gosh, that is awesome. Now, so Duke. I had no idea. I'm, I'm like still mesmerized by this Duke Snyder thing because I'm obsessed with I. The Dodgers came over in '58. 
along with the Giants, obviously right. from from New York. But the fact that Duke Schneider, who was amazing in his own right, but the other two center fielders in New York in the mid '50s were Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle. Like the three of those guys together, roaming an outfield in the same city for all three different teams, just always kind of blew me away. And then Duke's career went, you know, all the way, you know, from Brooklyn to L.A. I was similar to Sandy Koufax. I mean, I just, like right. Did, did he ever have any of his old like chums come over to the? I, I just had I had no idea that he was a coach. I'm kind of blown away. I don't mean to take us off on this Duke Schneider tangent. So actually, so. Duke used to be a broadcaster for the Padres, though, too, right? He, he broadcast some for the Padres in okay. Montreal as well. Okay. Uh, he did work up there for a while with them. He did a lot of different things. You know, was, was that before or after he was coaching? A little bit of both. He did some broadcasting okay. before and then after. He went, okay. he went back to it. Okay. Huh. Okay. So That's I mean, like I, the thing with the – I mean, Jerry Coleman obviously was a coach. And did, well, a, he had the same thing. Yeah. I didn't but know. he got the opportunity to try it, and again, he wanted to try it, and – Duke was great. He was fine by me, you know. He was stern. He was hard. And, I, and in the old days, that's what we were used to. Yeah. You know, that's the only thing we knew. You know, there's no nice baseball. <laughs> you know, you got your butt chewed out all the time when you made a mistake. And So what I hear you saying is that all these kids coming up through the Padres organization now are soft. Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. Now we're on the same page. That's good. So what about you? Are you going to be going out to – I mean, we're jumping around this timeline like crazy. And if you guys hear, you know, RJ and Jimmy the dogs in the background, they're just, you yeah, know, just, hunting it's, ducks it's here. It's part of the, being here, man. Yeah, it's great. Um, but are you going to be going out to spring training this year? I am. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm diligently working out right now like three days a week uh, with a trainer and trying to get some of my strength back so I can go out. But I plan on getting out there about the 23rd when the games start and – Awesome. I hope they can spend you know two plus weeks out there with the team and and watch the guys and get to know them a little bit, the players. Yeah, um, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm sure that most people listening to this podcast, like they they know the story of your health and I mean of all the you know battles that you won on the field. Obviously, the battle with throat cancer, right, was you know your greatest victory ever, and it's I mean just so awesome to be able. I know for a while you lost your voice for a little while, uh, your taste buds, um, and you know those are obviously just side effects to all the chemo and everything that you went through. But the fact that you're where you, I mean, you, I think you told me one of the bright sides was that you got finally back to your playing weight. <laughs> yeah, sounds like I, now you're working well, out you, to try you, to probably, but you got to look at the highlights when you get in these scenarios guys. So, I mean, you know, I got back to, I got back to 170. I've weighed 170 since probably last March, oh, uh, but I lost 40 pounds so quick. Um, and a lot of strength, you know, doing that. Yeah. And so now it's just a matter of trying to get my strength. So back. three days a week working back up to be able to get out there with these young punks. Yep. Yeah. And just have the stamina. Even I mean I don't care if it's swinging a golf club or you know, taking my dogs bird hunting. You know, mm-hmm. just, you know, right now I'm just careful, limited. Now I know that all the radiation treatments, my immune system is really not up to par, not close. Um, I, but I caught the flu early in October and had a bad cold and sinuses and. And it really, it really waylaid me hard. And, uh, yeah. And it took me another month. I lost my voice for six weeks. Literally couldn't talk for six weeks to the start of the you know, winter. Oh, October. my gosh. So a, a second time of Oh, was yes. Uh, oh, yeah, it, this is severe. And I've still got problems with my vocal cords, uh, probably, you know, from that. And so I'm still fighting that. But it's just, it's, you know, it's part of the process of being cancer-free. I have no taste buds. and. And now with with the vocal cords and the sore throat, so every, it only hurts when I swallow. Jeez, so, that was that all? So yeah. it's, it's really not any problem weighing 170 because you're not really motivated to eat a lot. Yeah. You really aren't. 
So, and yeah. it's just something you got to go, you know, I'm going to go through it. It will go away sooner or later. I'll get some taste buds back and I know, you know, I'll, I'll be fine. I'm just encouraged that in the last month of the workouts, I'm, I feel like I'm getting stronger. I feel better. And I'm really encouraged by that. I was getting a little bit worried about, am I too old, to, you know, to, to get my energy back? But no, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good now. I like it. Well, man, I, I know this goes without saying, but you've been an inspiration, you know, to so many people in San Diego. I loved when the announcement was made, watching just the outpouring of love yeah. on Twitter that, and through that different... That was awesome, guys. It really was. You know, and I, it's been, even when I played, there was a, there's a, I kind of rapport with the fans and, and Randy Jones and me, and, and that started in 75, I think, you know, and for sure I won 20 in that, that relationship with a lot of the fans. In 75, that was the first year you won 20? Yes. And so, okay, so take us back now that I've, you know, taken us to present day. And <laughs> yeah. This is the worst timeline in history. Rick, well, I don't even know why you let me talk. Place. I don't know. We're jumping around, man. <laughs> and so, okay, so now you're you're up on the team, and 75 is really when you start establishing yourself the way you did in that first game in the minor leagues, mm-hmm. um, in the majors. You win the 20 games. You go to the all Like, tell, tell me about the All-Star experience. I know you had some big moments. And no, it just, well, it's phenomenal. You know, 75 being uh, – being the first pitcher, especially now, remember, I'm eating 22 and 74. I lost 22 games, and we lost 104 games as a team. Um, I'm bouncing back off of that, you know, and just really working hard from spring training on, man. I, you know, you lose 22 games, man. I'm thinking back in my mind, I got to make the this, this staff. Right. That, yeah. that wasn't a given. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, and yeah. I, mean, I, I went I, to spring training, you know, having to win a job, and I did it. In fact, I, I pitched so well, I opened up the season. I was opening day pitcher. I pitched so well in spring training, you know. But I think, you know, overall the, the great thing was is just that first half I won 11 games, you know, for the ball club yeah. um, and got nominated. Walter Alston picked me to be one of the pitchers for the, you know, for the All-Star game. And I was just – I was thrilled, of course, and not realizing I was really the first Padre pitcher ever to be selected, you know, for an All-Star game. And, and yeah. it, was just, it was just really cool. It was just great. And it was exciting that actually I got to pitch an inning in that game in Milwaukee. Yeah, you got Pretty, the save too. Yeah, but I you know, and I had no idea. And <laughs> no, I didn't right? know that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was I was scared to death and nervous, and you know, it was excited and everything else. But do you remember who you faced? Uh, not really. You know, I know I got Rod Crew up for the third out in the ninth. He flew out the left field. He's got a batting, that, batting that's, title that's, named after and him. And that's what I realized, that Gary Carter, the catcher from the Montreal Expo, yeah. was playing left field. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Walter got him an inning. You know, he got to play an inning. You yeah. Know? So, but and, uh, and it was funny. I knew Gary Carter when I was growing up. We both grew up in Southern California. And Gordon Carter, his older brother, was on my American Legion team, and Gary was our bad boy. Oh my gosh! So, you know, I had no world. clue on that yeah, one either. I mean, those are the, those are the little things that you know, wait. Go on. So, did you guys reconnect when once you ended up with the Mets, like you and Gary? Like, because I know obviously Gary's got. Yeah, him. But, then he was with the Expos, but he has history with the Mets as well. Yeah, I, I, yeah, just, I don't know how the timeline lines up. I can't yeah, remember. He, he was still with Montreal when I was still in, with the Mets. Okay, so he wasn't over in New York yet. Okay, he, later on he did. I think a couple of years later he yeah. did. Uh, thanks for subtly uh, reminding me that I don't yeah, know but, anything about. Yeah, but oh, anyway, you know, back yeah. back to seventy five. That, that was it. Was great to get to get that inning pitched, and you know, really had a good second half. And I know just kind of boiling down. You know, we were struggling to get runs and. Um, we were nothing new for the for the pods, but <laughs> then you know, now I, I, I just had a chance to win twenty, and I continued to lead the league in ERA, which you know I did from the early part of the first half. Um, you know, I think my ERA went up, 
you know, about a half a run after they after they selected me for the All Star game. I got all nervous and gave up a few runs for two starts. My ERA went up about a half a run, you know, from one point one to one point six or whatever it was. But anyway, it boiled down to the, the last day of the year. Uh, I just I just won my twentieth the start before that. Uh, beat the Dodgers five to four. And uh, be the first one to do that, and I got to share it with a lot of fans that were there. Yeah, they were all fired up, and it was pretty cool. I mean, I really I embraced that. I enjoyed that. Um, and then the last day of the year, I ended up getting beat by the Giants. I lost that ball game, but you know, I, I pitched the first seven innings and won the ERA title. I didn't back into it; I earned it. Yeah, because yeah. Seaver pitched that day, and Andy Messersmith pitched the last day of the season. And those are the two I was contending. And with. you knew that going into the yes, game that you had to. That well, you know, awesome. like, they, you know, I remember Buzzy Babesi said, you know, you don't have to pitch and you win the ERA title. And I said, no, that's not the way I want to do that. That's like I when said, uh, I earn- Ted Williams was batting what, like uh, three ninety nine and right. a half. Great call, and, yes. And he went out and went what three for four or something like that yeah. and finished four zero something. And that's that's what you need to do. And I, I felt awesome. good about that. You know, wish I'd have won the ball game, but oh well. You know, won the ERA title and. You know, once and, you again, the, the and the games. fans were there and embraced that and got a standing ovation. I remember that and acknowledged that. And, and that just carried over into the the next year in 76. Had a great spring and ready to go opening day and sell out crowd. And, and uh, I went out to warm up. You just walk out to warm up for the game and with Roger Craig. And, um, and all of a sudden, when I got to home plate, and, you know, people start standing up in the stands, give me a standing ovation. And all of a sudden, next thing I knew, by the time I got down to the bullpen, um, the, the whole stadium was standing, giving me a standing ovation. You know, appreciating the year that I had, the yeah. 75. And um, it was pretty phenomenal. Yeah. And th- you thank God Roger Craig was there because Roger looked over and nudged me. And he goes, look, they still love me here. They love me. <laughs> yeah. I thought they'd forgotten about me. They still, you know, and, That's and we started laughing pretty hard, but he kind of broke the ice. I was getting a little jittery and nervous. Right. I was pretty much in awe of, of that. And I ended up getting 20 starts at home of the 40 starts. Half of my starts in 76 were in San Diego. So of those, that's 20 standing ovations, guys, that's that so I cool. got from a lot of great fans. And so that's that's where that relationship and rapport with the fans started. Is that when did you know? Like when did you know that what you were a part of was something that would go down in history to the point that you know, 40 years later, you are. I I don't think I had any idea. I yeah. really didn't. Um, I was I was just along for the ride when I all of a sudden well being 16 and three at the All Star break. Yeah, just things were rolling my way. You can't throw the baseball any better than I was. And you couldn't, you know, a last-place pottery team uh, the year before uh, couldn't play much better than they played, you know, every fourth day when I pitched. I was getting three or four runs a game, and we were making all the plays. And um, it was good baseball. Yeah, but, you know, I, but I was supplying the fuel, you know, of the, you know those 16 games I probably – what a sixteen and three, and probably had sixteen complete games by then already. Um, it's insane, you know. And it was, yeah, it was. It was just every fourth day, boom, I, I was out there. It was like a machine, and 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 I loved it. And got some momentum going, and and nobody wanted to see it stop. And I didn't, and, and nobody did. And and all the press and all the media. I mean, everywhere we'd go, you know, were just all over me and everything. And it may put the Padres on the map a little bit. And I felt good about that. I was kind of proud of that. Yeah. When did yeah. the Sports Illustrated cover happen? I probably should have looked that this up. That uh, was right before All-Star break in 76 that came out. Yeah. 
I remember that. I was I was warming up to actually I was um I was gonna pitch against the Cubs for my sixteenth win. And I remember I was warming up at Wrigley Field right there on the side and the kids, you know, are always waving baseballs and stuff and they want you to get trying to get your autograph and you're trying to get ready for the game. Standard stuff they always did there. Mm-hmm. Then anyway, after about 10 minutes of warming up, there seemed a kid about halfway down to Freddie Kendall, my catcher. He had a magazine. and looked like me on the cover of it. And I kept look, kind of looking down there and went, what is that? And so finally, I just stopped and walked down there, tucked my glove underneath and I go, kid, give me, let me see that. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, it was me on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I didn't even know it. You didn't know that they no, were going to put you I on? I had no idea. And that was the first time you saw it That's warming up at Wrigley? Saw, warming up in Wrigley is the first time I saw it. That is and insane. And Roger Craig's yelling, goes, Josie, what in the world are you doing? I go, hey, look, Rog. I go, I'm on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Look, Rog, they still love you. And, and, and Roger comes running over, he grabs, he grabs the book, and he goes, am I in there? And he starts thumbing through the page. <laughs> this kid's you like, uh, sir? Yeah, I loved it. You know, But, um, yeah, that was the first time I'd seen that, and uh, being on the cover of SI, and um, that was pretty cool. Gave, I signed it, gave it back to the kid, and went out and pitched nine and won the ball game. That was, you know. <laughs> That's so cool. Just let it go. But, yeah, it was and just all kinds of things. I remember people approaching me wanting to, you know, hey, would, would you like to write a book? I went, no. I know. <laughs> would, I don't, no, don't want to no. write a book. Not really. <laughs> would you like to be our first guest on our new podcast? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely you know, not. But, no, it was, but it, it, was, it, was, it was exciting. It really was. And what that led to, those two great years and, yeah, the arm injury kind of wrinkled that, but still some effective years after that in 78, 79. And uh, still being here in San Diego. And that relationship with the fans continued all those years as well. Um, and it was great. I enjoyed that. And so when I retired and I got back into the game, especially in the early 90s, um, that relationship with the fans was near and dear to me still. So when I got into the barbecue business then, um, which is, that was what, 90, 94. Um, yeah, I had to be probably 1994 when I started that. And, um, and the fans started coming out to the games and everything and kind of leading up to 98, as a matter of fact, and being out there with them day in and day out during the season. Uh, and just a good positive relationship. And I think that bond and, and love, loving Padre baseball and the fans, and, and I, I shared it with them. And it's, it's been a great relationship. Yeah, and I think the great thing is, too, is you've just been so great to the fans. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, the fans feed off of that. They, yeah, and, they and, know and that. So. It just seemed like I, I get it. Like, doing the community yes. relations work, and I, I enjoy it. I get I, I, I look forward to seeing them getting out there, see what's going yeah. on. You know, have some fun. Talk, talk baseball. That's what we do. We love the game. Who started that? Like, you know, obviously you left the Padres, went to the Mets. There was that weird little, like, when was the, pod, when the Pirates thing? Like the the spring training with the Pirates was that? Yeah, that, I got released by the uh, by the Mets, and so the Pirates called me and invited me to camp. I mean, they take a chance, see if I could. My arm was healthy, and then um, so I went down there and went to spring training with the Pirates. And that was like eighty two. That was eighty three. Eighty three. Yeah, it was eighty, eighty one, eighty two. Yeah, eighty three. And so, how long was that gap after you were done playing ball before? Like, who rekindled that relationship back with the Padres? Like, did. how did that... You did. I, I rekindled it. I mean, on and off, I was doing things. I'd still be down at the ballpark on occasion. Not all the time. But not ever. in any kind of official capacity. No, no official capacity at all. So... I did who, some other things that I wanted to do and got busy, um, you know, away from the field. But when I was back home, I'd always go by and say hi. 
you know, and he did a little bit of work like sharing that gloves. You know, wanted people to use them. One of the guys used them as batting gloves mm-hmm. and things. So I, I kind of helped them out and worked with them a little bit, getting guys glove, you know, batting glove contracts for the Saranac. I didn't know well, that. Yeah, I, I, know just, that I did that for a couple of spring trainings, and during the year I'd help them out. Like in the 90s? Mm, that was in the 80s, eight, late 80s, probably oh. 89, 88, 90. See? Right in there. It's dropping all kinds of knowledge that we don't know about. Yeah, no. oh, there's all kinds of crazy stuff, but then... Finally, it was just that point in time where I just felt it was time for me to get back into the game. Um, and so I got a hold of Dick Freeman, who was with the Pottery, yeah. pottery president, and sent him a letter. Um, what are those? You know, just requested that I'd like to come to work for the Pottery in, in his capacity, like public relations work, yeah. speaking engagements, that type of thing. Um, so we were able to put a little deal together uh, with a lot of money, but it was it got my foot in the door. Yeah. Um, so I started doing that. Um, and then all of a sudden I realized that, you know, the Padres really didn't have a Padre pregame radio show at mm-hmm. the time. Enter Darren and Flan, right? No, no, this is... Oh, this is this, way before oh, that. this is KFMB way before Oh, this that. is way back in the yeah, day. way back. Um, that's when I first started. So what I did is I, I uh, went to Viejas Casino and I talked them into being a, a sponsor. If I could get a Padre pregame show, they would be my major sponsor and advertiser. And so then I went to KFMB and said, let's do a pottery pregame show. And I talked to Dave Sniff, and he goes, well, we don't have the budget. And I said, well, I'm kind of bringing the budget. Yeah. He goes, well, really? And I said, yeah, the A-House Casino will sponsor the show. And so he asked me how much, and I told him how much they were willing to do. And he stood up, shook my hand, congratulations, you just started a pottery <laughs> pregame. <laughs> you know? And so he said, you'll be working with Hank Bauer. And I said, there we go. So. That's how I started working with Hank, and that's how the show got started. Oh, that's so cool. Wow. It was great. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and it did, we did really well. We had a lot of fun with it, and the fans seemed to enjoy it. And it was it's a good relationship. We had a lot of fun doing that. That's so cool. I did not know that oh, story. Yeah. Do you well, think the House would be interested in sponsoring the Zero Chance podcast? Yeah, we got a ways to go. We got some work to do. <laughs> Zero <laughs> Chance they do that? Zero yeah, Chance yeah, yeah, that know. they sponsor you, you know, guys. You, you got to give them a chance to say no, though, boys. You know, you got to do that. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, that's that's where that started, and then, you know, you know, well, one thing led to another. You know, about been about a year and a half since Boog Pell had opened up his barbecue in Baltimore. Then I ended up uh, on a golf course. I played playing a lot of golf. Yeah. At that time, and probably about a two handicap. I was, I was playing like three or four days a week, but um, <laughs> so I, I went and played in the golf tournament. Uh, I think it was an upper deck card yeah. tournament at Carmel Mountain. And one of the guys on my team was Kenny Wilson, and Ken Wilson was the head of Service America for the ballpark. Yeah. And I'd never met Kenny before. And um, so we went out, and long story short, we won the golf tournament, you know, got a trophy. And so Ken and I were having a beer afterwards, and we hit it off pretty good. You know, good guy. And had some chuckles, and he looked at me and said, you know, I need one more eatery at the ballpark this season. And I looked up and said, how about the Randy Jones Barbecue? And he goes, what's that? I said, I don't know. I just thought of it. <laughs> Let's figure it out. <laughs> he looked at me and started laughing. I go, well, Boo Powell can do it in Baltimore. Why can't I do it here? You know, I said, my dad, my grandpa's got a barbecue sauce. And six weeks later, we opened up the Randy Jones barbecue. Six weeks later? Six weeks later. And we what year was that? That was 94. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so that's how it all kind of came together. Next thing I knew, I was at the ballpark. Yeah. You know, I take that back. It had to be 96. Not 94, 96. It's a good season right there for you. Yeah. Set up. 
you know, I, I, I know that John Moore's Larry Lacino, you know, were, mm-hmm. were, you know, were there almost immediately, you know, when I, when I started, they, they had bought the team, mm-hmm. that little transition. And, um, so it just kind of worked out, you know, you know, pretty good in that point in time. And, and so that all took off and very positive and, um, it was just, we were off and running, but it just seemed like I was surrounded. I was around the fans all the time. Yeah. You know, every single day, every home game. And, you know, I just, I look forward to it. It's fun. I was wearing my uniform and all that stuff at the barbecue then, That's you know, going around all the tables and having, having wait, fun. Wait, what era uniform were you wearing? Uh, you went through a couple different... Uh, yeah, I, was, I, I stayed within that, the era that what they were wearing at that point in time. I didn't go all the way back. So that means that you were in what, like blue pinstripes? Yeah, pinstripes. I was in, I was yeah. in pinstripes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Quite a bit. I don't know how I feel about that. And thank God, thank God like in 1998 when they retired my number... I use that for an excuse. I quit wearing it. I said, well, they retired my number, so I'm not going to wear the uniform anymore. Uh, that's good. And, of course, they looked at me and went, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah you're like, huh, ah, welcome worked. to the spin zone. What the hell, it worked. Yeah. You know? so. so, obviously, all the fans in San Diego especially want to know um, what your stance is on bringing back brown uniforms. Um, you know, I, I'd still like to, I like to see something in the brown in, in the uniforms. I think it's only appropriate. I'm not sure blue is the color you want to stay with going forward. Uh, you're making a commitment. You want to make an impact. How about having a color that you can identify as, as, as a pottery color? Yeah. Not a blue that is everywhere. Yeah, that you could swap the logo out with the Brewer's logo and you wouldn't yeah, know the I difference. There's, I'm not to say going back to the old uniforms, but. You know, you can create a nice looking. Yeah, uniform. I mean, even like the Friday, you know, Browns that they, you know, brought back. Um, you know, it's like a new version of an old classic. And right. You're saying something like that you something can get like behind. That, yeah. yeah. You don't have to go hog wog with the gold sandies and, you know, the white shoes and all that stuff we used to wear. I would absolutely get behind wearing some you gold sandies and some white shoes. Well, Bill Center. You, you wear sandies all you want. You won't see any of them anymore. I know. People need to bring back the high cuff more. Some players do, yeah, but not as much as. And the, I mean, but they I, don't wear stirrups. Very rarely do they wear stirrups. I know. They, they need to wear the socks, stirrups. All the color socks. Yeah. Which, I mean, honestly, I would take the solid socks with the high over the pajama pant look. Yeah. I would prefer the stirrups. My my little my little guy who's six years old. Uh, last season, he started playing, and I he was flat out wearing. He was on the eighty four. Uh, Rhodes was his Padres uniform, and he had the gold sandies with the brown stirrups, and he was couldn't catch, hit, or throw, but absolutely the best good. looking kid out there. I love no, it. No, there we go. no doubt and about it. Just, hey, if you, that's first you got to do. You got to look like you can play. Start yeah, with. he absolutely looked like he can play, and that is where it ended. But it was <laughs> it was good. Great it job. was fun nonetheless. Still a work in progress. Yeah. So See, we, you know it's funny that I look at here today and you talk about the relationship with the fans and stuff, and it, it's still there. I mean, all the outpouring when I got diagnosed and it, it, and uh, and we announced that I had the cancer. I would be honest with you, I'd have, I'd have gone through the whole process and not said a word. Yeah, how I did was, was that? Was that your? How did it get out? How was well, it, that, that was you, my call that you know, just keep keep a lid on it. Um, I thought I just need to go through this, and uh, but I think it's just a point in time where I disappeared for so many months. That, yeah, questions for being yeah, asked. You're normally Randy? out there all yep. the time. That's right. Yeah. And I wasn't anywhere. Right. Uh, and so that's when I knew. And finally, I, I talked to the Padres and I said, I think we better announce something. So I called Bill Center and I said, Bill, I want you to do the announcement. Yeah. And I told who I wanted him to do it. And so he did. Bill, Bill went and released it. And, and we went from there. But the outpouring from the fans and everyone was phenomenal. I mean, I, it shocked me. 
I mean, I never really thought about it, given any thought, but you know, it was, it was, it, it really felt at home for me. Well, that speaks that obviously, Randy, to your humility and, yeah. um, because to us, that is the least shocking thing. At least I can speak for myself yeah, only. Well, but, I, you I know, mean, that, that seems so obvious to me. But like I said, it speaks to your character and who you are. And yeah. And I was pretty much locked in just fighting the cancer. You know, had the game face on a little bit. And that's why yeah. I've been by myself. And, you know, and, and a lot of people don't realize. And, and, and some people do if, you, if you've had some a loved one that goes through it is what you're doing to your family. Yeah. And what your family has to go through. When you're you're going through this. And, yeah, it's, it's scary. But. I mean, your whole family's going through it. Yeah, their and, heart and, breaks and, with you, and they feel the yeah, pain and you I, feel. Yeah, and I realized that, and that, uh, yeah, that was a, it was really heavy on me for a while. It really yeah. was. What was it? You know, a little bit of a, a, a different turn, but what did it feel like when you first found out? I mean, obviously, we um, are going to be in the age of social media, and you know, Rick's handle on social media is RJ's fro, Mm -hmm. which of course is uh, a tribute to you and your fro and starting your blog. Everybody knows that. And I'm sure that you guys have talked about this before, but do you remember the first time that you found out, did you one, even know what a blog was, but two, that some punk kid had started a blog (laughs) and dedicated it to your Afro? Um, Well, number one, you know, I I knew what, I knew what the blogs were just, Okay. Kind of threw off Super insulting and, of me and, to and, ask. And, I get it. And, yeah. And, and talking, you know, just talking to everybody. Uh-huh. Yeah, like you say, when you're out in the out in the in the social in the media and stuff, and all all the fans and stuff. Yeah, you, you run into it. And, um, and then, and of course, and I try to stay up on what's going on, you know. And then I, when I when I got on Twitter and, and that stuff, because I I did that pretty quick. Yeah, I had yeah. no idea what I was doing. I think you were on Twitter before me. You so, know, but I mean, I just jumped on there. What they had, like Facebook? You know, I uh-huh. I jumped on Facebook and had five thousand friends before I could blink, and they blocked me. And I went, well, I said, this sucks. I'm out of here. And so I left Facebook. I went, well, what do you do when five thousand and one? You can't have it. I went, well, that sucks. So I got pissed and I wouldn't to, know. I don't I have five thousand friends. I went to Twitter and, um, and the next thing I know, I I saw RJ's fro. And I, and I started cracking up. I mean, I knew what it was, yeah. you know, and then, you know, found that, you know, Rick had done it and I just thought it was hilarious. And I finally met Rick and um, I think I might've met you at the ballpark the first time and at FanFest or we were doing something. Down Second there. most important day only to his wedding. I'm trying to think. What was the first yeah, time? You, you don't remember? You, you had, should be ashamed you of yourself. You some t-shirts. So I, oh, actually, yeah. It was at the uh, 1090 Studios. Was it? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. that's right. You came over there. Uh-huh. Yes. That's right. Yeah, was that during the pregame show? I, I asked him before I started the blog if, if he was cool with me doing that name. Huh. So I did yeah. that How first, forward thinking of you. And he, he said to, yes. He, he gave me his blessing. And then uh, I made the shirts. And then I, I brought him the shirts. And uh, yeah, it was at 1090. It's like uh, with yeah. you and uh, you and Darren. That's right. Uh-huh. Okay, good. And uh, yeah, but I just remember that. I thought it was cool. Now, did it you? Didn't bother me any. <laughs> well, I mean, I would think it's a great honor to honor. have. Uh, that's right. A, a fro blog, and that's why you look at it. Now, now, when you, I know, obviously, the seventy-five and seventy-six season, that was kind of, I mean, obviously, a signature look. Like, did you know that, like, you know, the fro was? I mean, what was your thought process having? I mean. I had a fro when I was in college, probably partly inspired by you. But what you know, what was your thought process between you know growing out this huge fro and having it flow out of the side of your hat like it that? Wasn't, it wasn't. Well, after I lost twenty two and seventy four, mm-hmm. and I'd come back, and, and what had happened is you know the longer my hair got, it just seemed the bottom, the bottom mm-hmm. part would just it started curling, mm-hmm. and it was just naturally curly. 
you know, then the top was pretty flat. And so finally, and then kind of the perm thing was kind of getting into style in the start of 75. And so I came home one night and asked Marie, I said, why don't you perm my hair? Perm the rest of it. <laughs> and she goes, what? And so we ran out and got a bunch of curlers in, in one of those little Tony perm things. I couldn't. And, yeah. I have no and idea so, what you're talking she about. Gave me, she permed my hair with this Tony's thing. And you know, <laughs> that was the first perm I ever got. Oh, my gosh. Was, was that is her. great. I think the second one was she, she, did, she did the second one. My now, was it perm. ever, per, not to say Marie is not a professional permer, but did you ever get it professionally done? Oh, or was yes. she? Oh, yeah. yeah. There, there was a point in time once, once we got going that I had it. She I said, had all right, it. I'm done. Now you're gonna, you're, you've made yeah. this a thing. She goes, yeah, we're, we're not doing this. You, you're going to find somebody to do them. And I did. Yeah. Over in Ranch Bernardo. And, you know, it was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know. And I've seen it, some pictures that, in an old magazine. Yeah, People you, Magazine like, yeah. followed me one day. Yeah. And I ended up getting a perm that day, and they followed me over there. And <laughs> it was hilarious. I, you know, <laughs> That's the best. Here's, here's Randy Jones getting ready for the season or whatever, you know. I, yeah. Uh, here's but, his workout yeah. at, in yeah. the salon. And then, and then once, you know, once you're in, in 75, you start having a good year, and you know, you're not changing now. No, no. you yeah. got to roll with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to roll with it now. Yeah, you embraced it. When so did I, you step away from the perm? 84. Four might have been eight, in eighty four, start eighty five. Okay. Oh, so you my, rolled it after a little bit post career. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and um, yeah, it was my two daughters. They were getting that age, and funny one night they're going, "Bad, you need to lose the fro." I went, "Really?" He's going, "Yeah, it's time." And so I thought about. And it you for kicked a him out of the house? No, I, oh. I thought, all right. So I went down, took my hat off, and got it, got it cut. You know, straightened and let my hair just grow straight. You should have brought People Magazine that day. That was the uh, monumental <laughs> moment. Uh, yeah. The but, fro is going away. Yeah. yeah. It was time for the fro to go away. That's well, right. Well, thanks to Rick, it will continue to live on. Yeah, it's pretty cool. In infamy forever. Forever. <laughs> we should probably say, like, we never even have said, like, you know, Rick Romero, RJ Stroh on Twitter, on Brady Phelps, lob shots on Twitter. I've I don't heard know that we, term before. Brady oh my gosh. Phelps, lob all right, shots. Where let me I tell you, Randy, before? before Rick gets all carried away Uh-oh. and starts making up a story that is completely fabricated. He'll tell his story, then I'll tell you the real story. Okay. okay. I, I We went to spring training one year, and we had been, this was one of the bloggers takeover things. This I can't even begin. First, what, first year. What, what year was that? I don't even know. 2014? Uh, 2013, 15, I have no idea. 13, maybe? So we're out in Peoria, and we're up in, I think the Angels were playing the Padres. And uh, and I guess Mike Trout was was there. I can't, I'm trying to remember the context of why Peter Gammons would have been there. Basically, Peter Gammons, you know, sports writer, was there. And we were having a conversation, The us bloggers were having a conversation, and I turned around and saw Peter Gammons, and he was kind of on the fringe of a conversation there were a couple guys standing in a circle and so i just i had had rick is over here laughing i had had a couple of twitter conversations with peter gammons at p gammo when he wasn't pocket tweeting he um we had had a couple interactions and so to me i thought okay you know just on the off chance that possibly he remembers having one of these conversations on Twitter with me, Mm. I went up and I said, hey, Peter Gammons, Brady Phelps, slop shots. And I reached my hand out and I shook his hand, said hi real quick, said it's great to see you. I didn't realize that, you know, you were going to be here today for the spring training game. But, you know, just started a small conversation, came back, and these guys are like, they immediately start laughing and making fun of me saying, you just went and interrupted Peter Gammons and you did this whole, oh, Brady Phelps, slop shots, you know. And... When in, I thought what I did was very the proper way to do it. Like you go, you introduce yourself, you give a firm handshake, you identify, you know, who I am. And apparently Rick thought that that was crazy. I don't know. What do you have to say for yourself, son? It's just, 
it's just funny to go up to Peter Gammons and say your Twitter handle. I had had a Twitter conversation, multiple Twitter conversations. Had millions with him. of Twitter conversations. Okay. With people online. This is what Randy just said about Viejas. How would we know if I don't, you know, you, you if you there's, don't take the there's shot? Zero chance that he knew who you were. <laughs> yeah. Rick, Rick, what I want to know is you you could see the look on his face, Peter Gammon's face. Yes. You can tell me whether he had any idea. <laughs> he was, who he had no clue was. who we were. Got it. Zero yeah, chance you can, you can believe it. So face. you kind of earned a little bit of that abuse. That's fine. <laughs> you know? Oh, you're man. a victim. You're just a victim. That's all you I are, am, Brady. That's okay. That's, you know, your word's not mine. It, right. But it is. You were a victim. Uh, you set yourself up. I guess. You know, I guess. Hey, I think Peter Gammons and I were basically best friends. Hey, hey Brady Bill's love shots. Remember me? Oh, sure, me. You know, I'm you. Uh, you know, Randy, you calling me meat here on our podcast brings me back to the days on the couch. That's right. Padre Social Hour. Social Hour. You called me meat a lot. <laughs> and uh, I always appreciate you. You would bust my chops on a regular basis on the show. That's fun. But I do, you know, similar to... When maybe you first found out that you know Rick had started a blog called RJ Throw, like what were you thinking when? Because everybody that was on that show was like an actual like journalist or you know uh, at least media personality. You know they either were on the radio or you know they were in print like mm-hmm. Bill or you know they or on the news like Ben Higgins. You know, but then it was just <laughs> some schmuck blogger who makes pancakes. So what, I mean, what were you thinking when they, I, I mean, I remember going in and I was being, you know, I was pretty starstruck because you're a San Diego legend, but I, you know, try to hide it just like I did with Peter Gammons. And, yeah. um, but you know, what was that like being on that show and having just that rotating cast of people when fun. you were being it one of cool. the, you know, and, and you know, me and like, like now you even know me a little bit better. You yeah. Say, hey, Fine, great. Whoever you want. No, at the time I didn't know you at all, yeah. and I remember the first thing you said to me is, "You know, they're fixing our earpieces and getting our mics ready." And you said, "Are we ready? Okay, don't f it up, meat." And I <laughs> and I remember like, "Oh yeah, yeah." This is, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm already I'm ready to crash and burn. Like I wasn't I wasn't nervous enough. And, no. That was so good. But you know, I, I you know I, I I just thought you know number one they they invite you to come on, you know, and I I kind of respect the powers to be if they. They wanted you on there. Hey, you, know, you, can, you can't be that big of a nerd or you wouldn't be sitting beside me. Well, I'm, I'm sure I proved that you wrong know, after the first you know. episode. No, you did this point. You did a good job. But, you know. And also the perspective of what they were trying to do, I think their their objectives with the show and social media, and, and you were involved in social media quite a bit. So there was a good tie-in there. So from a business standpoint, I did understand yeah. you know, why they want you to get involved. So, I mean, I understood the whole philosophy of what we were trying to achieve. Yeah, you know, I thought you'd, you'd represent everybody well. You did a good job. Well, I appreciate you, you saying know, that. You it did know, not pay him to say that. About everybody, the game. You don't know. Much <laughs> about come on, man. But you know, you did a good job. That's fair. I'm not a numbers guy. <laughs> you know, as much as I, much as I bust your chops, I have to say you did a great job on Social Hour. You did. Oh, that's yeah, very kind did. of you to say. Is that why you decided to start a podcast with me? <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Yeah. No, I mean it was. It, I mean to me, it was like it was a dream come true, right? It's a kid who's you know I loved. I played baseball up through you know high school and and um, always had loved the game and just been obsessed with the sport and um, huge fan of baseball history. I collect. You know, Rick and I have this in in common. We both are huge memorabilia nerds. That's, That's why we sat down. And we're like, I'm literally staring over your shoulder at your Cy Young Award, and uh, it's really cool. And but I. 
you know, I collected baseball cards since I was a little kid. I remember, you know, it was, I was probably 10 years old and my dad got me a 1956 Topps Yogi Berra. And wow. I put that thing in a case that was about four inches thick, you know, scared to death something was going to happen. You know, the book value was probably $19 on it. But to me, it was, you know, 19000 And uh, great. But I, you know, huge fan, obviously, of, of yours and of the game. And so it was a really cool, it was, I was like a kidney candy shop. I, was, I felt like I had no business being there on the show whatsoever but um loved every second of yeah, it had yeah. a lot of fun that's yeah. what it's all about yeah we need to uh maybe maybe we need to we need to talk to the powers that be to get this get get this sucker started yet again nah, i mean whatever whatever it might be i don't know we'll start a what new one and take. uh maybe we'll call it the zero chance social hour <laughs> and uh <laughs> starring uh rick brady and rj now you never know yeah do you if you if you uh, could only choose Randy or RJ being called for the rest of your life, which one would you choose? RJ. Yeah, you prefer RJ. I would. Yeah. You get angry every time I call you Randy? No, not at all. Okay, I'm just making sure. You know, would you start calling me Randall by my legal name? <laughs> yeah, we need to talk. Randall. You know, you start Randall to- I don't need to hear that very often. You know, in, <clears throat> in the last year, year and a half, see, I've heard Randall a lot. Oh yeah, doctor. Looking office. at those charts, office, yeah, yeah, that's no fun. Randall, Randall. Like, you're like, the heck are you talking about? I don't want to hear Randall. I don't want to hear that. Did you, know? you uh, did you watch Super Bowl this year? I did. Yeah, who were you pulling for? Uh, you know, I was right in the middle. Really? I, yeah, I was just kind of open minded. I mean, uh, they're both sides. The underdog never never won one. So, and I and I and I watched the um, couple of games before that, and I really thought Philadelphia was playing awfully good. Yeah, they, even they with were clicking, goals, yeah. clicking on all cylinders, and you know, I I wasn't sure with Tom Brady and all his experience would that be enough. You know, obviously it wasn't, but good, great ball game. Great so, game. would you, if you were, this is where we're getting into the portion of the podcast where we like, like I like talking about, you know, obviously current event and stuff like that, but I like getting your perspective. And something Rick and I talked about that it would be fun to kind of get your perspective on stuff that's going on in the world or we want to talk about. We have zero chance we have any idea what this podcast is actually going to be about, so we figure we'll just, you know, shoot the breeze yeah. with you and get your input. So if you are running the Eagles organization and your MVP caliber quarterback, Carson Wentz, goes down midseason, who is one of the most coveted young quarterbacks in the game, but then your backup quarterback, Nick Foles, comes in and goes on a tear through the playoffs and takes down the evil empire and Belichick and Brady, what do you do in the offseason with those two quarterbacks? Interesting. Um, I, number one, I think you got to give it to Foles until, until he coughs it up. I mean, you got a lot of competition going into next year, yeah. which is not a negative. That's a positive. These two are going to push each other right to the hilt, you know. And, and then you let, find and out which one which one prevails, and you trade that, the other guy? Mm, well, you, obviously, you try to keep both of them if you can, you know. But you know, you know, you're not sure. You got to wait and play the play the hand when it plays out. But I think that's pretty good. You you're going to have a choice. It's a nice problem to have. Yeah, it is. It is. It definitely yeah. is. But I think your your future, you know, is the is the young kid. He got hurt, unfortunate, but still, that's the bright spot that they know. So, do you think yeah. this is the end of the Belichick Brady uh, dynasty era? Not quite yet. He didn't retire. He didn't retire. Brady no, neither. Retire not yet. yet. Yeah. So, if I told you. What happens first, a Padres World Series championship or another Patriots Super Bowl victory? Padres championship. Really? Oh yeah. That's like. Ooh, yeah. What are we talking about? Oh, what kind yeah. of what year are we talking about? I've heard rumors of 2019, 2020, 2020. 2021, 22, 19, all four. 1920. I'm 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 looking there. That's where you're looking, huh? 
Yeah. So you're, you're buying into the youth movement that oh, the Padres sure got going. Yeah, I, I think I know what I'm kind of looking at as far as talent. And there's a plethora of talent. We got a lot of talent. We got a lot of great young arms. And it, it, they're all not going to work out. I'll take, give me 10, 15%. They, let's say they work out. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. That's a good ball club, good gentlemen. You know, and then, then if you want to, if you need that veteran starting pitcher, then 19 might be that time you'll see him signed that, that offseason. That's that when we bring in either Nick Foles or Carson yeah. Wentz to come <laughs> and pitch for us. Well, you got to have that one guy. We had Kevin Brown in 98. you yeah. got to have that one of the leader right well that's where at the trade it, it, deadline it, it, if you're it, doing better than you anticipated you go find that right. that veteran arm to come in lead the staff yeah. like uh verlander this I year with the astros I, I right see what, I, what i'm looking for like this year is you know like a you know, more salt more solid defense day in and day out on the offensive side of the baseball let's answer some of the questions of some of these young players hopefully we can get that done you know and continue to develop this pitching staff in these young arms we won't see all of them we'll see a few of them i think this year but a lot of them are still not going to be ready um you know and it might be another year before we do see some of those but i think overall that if you can solidify the, the offense and the defensive defensive side of the baseball um we could have a, a more fun year this year if it happens sooner than later you think they land hosmer Nah, I don't know. That bargaining chip has been played too many times. Yeah. And I don't know if he really wants to leave the American League. Yeah. At, Do you, at that point, this point in time. I, I kind of felt like one of the reasons that they really wanted Hosmer in addition to, I mean, there's a plethora of reasons, I'm sure. But I think one of them was that it might raise the play of Will Myers and um, kind of light a fire under his butt to start. Um, yeah. You know, utilizing the talent that everyone feels that he has. Yeah, and then, and with his age and stuff, it's, it's it'd be it'd be a good signing. You know, and, and a clubhouse leader type guy. Um, don't just put it all on Will Myers either. It takes a little bit of the heat off of him, and you need that. Do you um, think this is a make or break type season for Will? No. So even if he tanks this year and isn't any good, we're not ready to say that I, he was a I bust. Don't, I don't believe the only injury. The only way he tanks if he gets injured. Yeah. That's the only way it happens. I hope you're right. That's my opinion. Yeah. You know, like mentally, and uh, he's too good of a baseball player. But also, you, you know, let's not forget, surround him with some, some talent in the lineup. He'll see better pitches. Yeah. Well, and that's what I think the thought was with Hosmer. And, I, I mean, I've heard very high-level baseball executives say that they believe Will Myers has more talent than, than Hosmer. And but it hasn't come to fruition because I, I I can't speak to exactly why, but I think that maybe that leadership yeah, that you, might be lacking in that clubhouse might have something to do with it. Yeah, but there's there's something you, you've heard that story how many times? Bob, I guess me more since I've been around longer. Yeah, but you know, it's the old pitcher with the million dollar arm and a ten cent brain. It's gonna happen, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and you run into him and God bless him. Straight out of Bull Durham. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I feel like, I mean, I love Andy Green. I love his leadership, but it's almost like he is such a good leader that it, I wonder if the players, if one of the players has the ability to stand up and almost take that leadership role amongst the players because, I don't know, it feels like Andy's so young and everyone looks up to him, and, and I just wonder if um, if it's some of the players are almost intimidated by his ability to lead that clubhouse. No, and not, you don't I don't think so. they're intimidated whatsoever. In uh, being around there so long and, and watching Andy Green, how he communicates. He communicates so well, there's no intimidation. You know, you're held accountable. Yeah. There's a big difference being intimidated and being held accountable yeah. for how you play. I love Andy Green now, so much. I do too. 
And I and I love the way he's right up front with these guys, and that's what you have to be. You got to be stern, you know, and, and like you know, you, you pat them when you have to, you know, but be stern when you know when they do something wrong. And he's not afraid to do that. And and that that's, that you know, like like I told I told Andy Green, the one thing he's got to do is help make sure these players are held accountable. You know, because I guarantee you, if you do, some of these young kids are going to come back in a few years and thank you for what you did. Yeah, they'll thank you for what you did for them. But you got to hold them accountable now. Yeah, they might not like it in the in the now. That's right. But yeah. down the road when they get a little bit older and they're still playing, they'll they'll come by and thank you for what you did for them. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you, you know, and that's what you want to do, make them the best they can be. And that's something that he needs to do, and I think he knows that. So how long are you going to be in Peoria when you head out there? I hope to be there when the games start the 23rd. And in, in, uh, I'm thinking about coming home March 15th. Um, but then again, if, if, if they have um, – Season ticket holders or corporate sponsors out there that following weekend, I might be out there a few more days. You know, I'm actually going to go out there on March 16th. So, <laughs> are you? It's probably good that you're getting out of Peoria <laughs> at that time. Yeah, well, you know, that's just a date that I kind of picked. You know, it's, it can fluctuate a little bit. Yeah. You know, and it depended on my health, too. If my health stays well, I'll definitely be out there. But, you know, if I have some complications or if my strength isn't up to being capable of doing it, I'll, blah. Uh, I'll have to pack up and come on home, get some rest. Yeah. But I want to be ready for the season for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, the pace of play has been brought up a lot this offseason, actually, and last offseason as well. Um, what are your thoughts as somebody who used to, like, his games were super quick all the time when you would pitch. Uh, what is your take on that? Well, it's going to be hard to do, guys, number one, every every. TV game and the minutes you got in between there, you're already adding 25, 30 minutes. Uh, the way we change pitchers, I don't know how you speed that up. Yeah. You know, I'm mean, stepping pretty, out of the pretty, box. Well, and... you know, well, pretty simple. We, we, when I pitch, we, starters average seven innings probably. Yeah. Seven innings was a real number. You know, you hit a guy, you know, a guy in the bullpen might pitch the eighth and ninth, and that was about it. Um, a lot of complete games, a ton of them. Yeah. yeah but also, he starts behind the plate. He had umpires with, with more fair strike zones, in my opinion. You know, I mean, they were they, they might have, they might have been a little bit expansive in, in the edges, and and they they would call them aggressively. You know, sounds like you're ready for robot umps. Well, I mean, you know, like you basically then those. I think unique then what we knew how to do is every umpire was different, and but I knew all the National League umpires. And I knew what their tendencies were, what they liked, what they didn't like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you do can't do that now. You don't have the luxury. Of doing that now, because now it's just major league umpires. You you can make thirty six starts in a season, guys, and have thirty six different umpires behind yeah. the plate. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. That's crazy. It is also. It's also kind of wild to think though that you weren't just playing the weaknesses of the batter that was up. You were playing to the strengths of the umpire. Oh yeah. You knew that they would. I mean, every every little piece you had to use. I mean, if if that if you could keep that ball just right below the knee and and uh, this you know this. Wendelstadt liked that pitch. <laughs> I wouldn't throw a strike the rest of the day. Yeah. I mean, but I had the ability. I could hit that spot nine out of ten times. And today, uh, these these pitchers trying to throw as hard as they can can't do that. There's yeah. very few that could do that. I mean, if you watch a game on TV like like I do, I'm watching a pitcher, and, and I'll turn around because you'll get a low pitch. You'll call it a strike. I call it a strike. Whoa, that's a strike tonight. And I'll be sitting there, and he'll never go back to that pitch because he can't hit that spot again. Yeah. He doesn't know how he did it. 
It just drives me nuts. If that's a strike, why don't you go back there? Right. You know, anybody can't. They just can't do it. They don't know how to duplicate. And it's not easy, Um, especially when you're trying to throw the ball 96 and, you know, and free and easy is 92 or 93. But you're trying to get that extra three or four miles an hour. It's hard to control it. Yeah. And that's what you're seeing quite a bit. And then, I mean, you're going to speed the game up. I think it's got to be a blend of everything. You know, pitchers going a little bit deeper. That would be kind of nice. But when you, if you're going to use the specialty pitchers, relievers, the, yeah, the, re, the relievers, the, the premium they have in the game now today, it's like they're only going to be more utilized, not less, in the, my Well, opinion. exactly. I think that's what you're looking at. And that's just the nature of the game today. So they're going to be, they're going to be longer games, but two and a half hours to make a lot more sense. Yeah. And I, I buy then that can be done. But, yeah, you know, like to me, make me the commissioner. I I change the strike zone. I get all the umpires together. I change the strike zone. Yeah, there is. You know, if you notice, remember, like I said, home plate. They took the black edges off the plate. It's ridiculous. I, it, when did that happen? Last year is when I noticed it. Huh. There's no black on the plate anymore. Bring I, the bring it back. Hmm. I lived there. I lived on those two little black strips. <laughs> I, I mean, that was what that. I tried to do. That was my whole goal. Yeah, and um, you know, and it, it was great. It was great fun. You need to bring those back and call them. Yeah. Make it a little bit friendlier. Hey, you know, if it's 0-2 all the time, 1-2, you're going to swing the bat. Yeah. yeah. Right? Absolutely. That's how you speed the games up, gentlemen. Yeah. Rick, do you have any um, parting? Because I know we're getting close. I want to be yeah, respectful yeah. of uh, RJ's time. So So one other topic on, on okay. that same yeah. subject. Um, I did read an article about they're trying to bring back the bullpen buggies. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We got to... Those things are so rad. Do you remember those? Those you bet I do. Yeah, the yeah. helmets. Then yeah, because Whitey Weedle was the only one that was allowed to drive it. That was Whitey's little little golf cart. What are the chances you have any photographs here oh, with you in a bullpen buggy? I know. I looked. I don't have any. Oh my gosh! I, I remember. Love to I, see looked, that. I looked a while back. There was something that came up, and I was looking for the picture of that buggy. And you know, I know they got it in the archives, but the potters yeah. do. But. You know, <laughs> it was a homeless looking thing. It was all beat up. And I'll dirty. tell you what, if the Padres gave uh, Rick was, access cool, to that man. archive room, he would find that thing. I feel like you would spend an entire oh, yeah. weekend oh, yeah. sifting through that. Oh, to oh, find. It'd be great, man. A week? A week? Be, yeah, a year. Yeah, it'd, it'd take forever. <laughs> Start going through pictures, and you know how long that takes. Oh, yeah. Me, yeah. That's Come great. On. But I think overall, you know, I can remember all the buggies. They were everywhere. I know. It's so know, great. That's had one. The Phillies had one. They were, you know, it was, it was hilarious. I absolutely think they need to is bring that, them back. Is that going to speed the games up new? No, <laughs> oh, not at all. It'll probably slow them down. Fun. That, yeah. yeah, but it'd be, it would add time. <laughs> I know. Yeah, people I know. enjoy it. It'd take you longer to get because those whole carts are all beat up and they won't go that fast. You know, they yeah. don't, you know it's not like you got a, you know, like one, one of those things that uh, in the, the fanatic. Yeah, yeah. Like he oh, the, he's got a quad, yeah, you know. Yeah, the quad, quad that'll run over Jimmy Rollins and other players. Yeah. Yeah. But it, you know, but it, you know, but it is kind of cute every once in a while that you did that. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Absolutely, I like that idea. Well, hey, we want to be respectful of your time. We are so thankful. Um, well, gentlemen, hey, good good luck with this. I yeah, mean, I like it. Hey, this is uh, our guests aren't going to get any better, but um, we're hoping that our ability to run a podcast will get better. So good. Well, you know, with baseball now, the football over, and the baseball is right around the corner. So. I think it'll be more to get in and digest a little bit more baseball as as we start getting ready for the season to start. Be fun. We're absolutely going to be calling you back next week since no one else will agree to do the podcast. So <laughs> let me know. Um, we'll, we'll hit you up for round two I, before I, you know I, it. I, I look forward to it. There's 52 weeks of the year, man. Let me know. I'll do another one. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much, RJ. My pleasure, guys. 
Yeah, man, means the world. And thank you guys to everybody who actually listened to our inaugural first ever inaugural inaugural episode of the Zero Chance podcast. Zero chance you ever listen again. Thanks and goodbye. Bye.